two of the fivefold gifts. If you missed last week, you're going to go watch online. Uh, not that you have to have watched that or know that for this morning, but it'll be helpful. Um, this is part two. I said it was a five-week series that I'm going to be putting into two, but we're going to see what we get done this morning. Is I have a whole lot that I want to share. And uh, what I really love is when I, I share on this kind of stuff that it provokes more conversations and phone calls and people getting excited about what God's doing. When I speak about the fivefold gift, it's from Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read, read it again. But it is not a leadership structure, it is gifts that God has given to the body of Christ for various purposes. It is not a luxury gift, one gift is not better than the other, different functions, different roles. This morning we're going to get into that again. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And he, Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to, of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom, every, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, so each part needs to work properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The purposes, there are four purposes that I can see in the scripture over here of the fivefold gifts in the local church. It's to equip people to be impactful for God. Remember, we're all waiting for a move of God when God is calling us to be the move. God, move. He's looking at us. He said, no, I told you to go. Well, God, go. No, that's what I told you to do. Too often we want God to do what he's told us to do. Lord God, just love our city. No, that's your job. Lord, I don't want to love my city. I want to judge it. Anyway, that's not us. Build up the body of believers, mature them to be everything that they were called to be, and it has a unifying effect. And then I, I use the acronym, we, we're called to be a pest to the enemy. A pest. A-P-E-S-T. The apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, and the shepherd and the teacher is the most aggravating pest that the enemy has ever encountered besides Jesus. But in Jesus Christ, we have the fullness of the fivefold gifts. So... What I'm going to share with you today, I want to speak about some specific spiritual attacks that attack various or the fivefold gifts. And uh, I'm going to use examples from Scripture. The danger, however, with this kind of preach is you're going to sit and going to go, oh yeah, I know who he's talking about right now. That's that guy. Oh, I, that's him. That's her. Now I want you to sit this morning and go, Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. Is that me? You see, the, the Bible isn't a mirror to shine the light of God and blind other people. It's used to speak into our lives. It's used to develop us. It's used to challenge us. So as we go through this, you will have the temptation to go, I know somebody like that. Just be careful because there may be somebody sitting in the room thinking that about you. So if none of us do it, can we agree none of us are going to do that? We're going to be safe this morning. Lord Jesus, help us. 
So, first gift, the apostle. You, you know, we speak about the, if you speak about the fivefold gifts, I've often said to people, I'm going to use my fivefold gifts and I'm going to lay hands on you. But that's not what I mean. Um, you know, the, the apostle's the thumb, he's the go-getter, he's the one that sets vision. I want to just share with you this morning as well, to be a visionary is not somebody who has wishful thinking constantly on their mind. Well, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. A visionary is somebody who has a vision in mind and a blueprint set out in their mind as well. To know where I want to be and to have a, it may be vague, but a vague idea of how I'm going to get there. Anyone who sets out in business, well, I'm going to be the CEO of a company. What company? Don't know. Well, start off with filing for unemployment benefits because that's pretty much all you've got. Now, I want to be the boss. Anyone who sets out in business to be the boss has failed already. You set out to do something that God has called you to do, to produce something, to invent, whatever it is, but you set out with an incredible vision in mind, with destiny and future, Proverbs 13 speaks about a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. We always have to think into the future. We cannot live with a mindset, oh Lord Jesus, come Lord, come soon. No, no, we live with a mindset, Lord God, I'm on mission. I haven't thought about this yesterday. I did so much prep for this sermon. I thought, Lord Jesus, you coming back or fetching us, whatever the theology is, Lord? Can we wait until Monday? I really want to get this one done. We need to live as visionaries, long term, and whatever happens, we trust God. But a, an apostolic visionary has blueprints on how he's going to, how she's going to, how we'll see things achieved. They have to be blueprints, plans, step by step, what I need to get done, what's next. And the apostolic visionary looks at the big picture all the time. And sometimes they... Like, wow, he, he, he seemed so harsh. Because I told him about my problem and he asked me, well, what are you doing about it? Because that's what the apostolic does. I have this financial problem. Are you tithing, are you saving, are you giving, are you sowing? Uh, get those right, God will bless you. What's next? Oh, no, great. Let's speak about the gifting you have so we can see the calling of God fulfilled in your life. That's the apostolic. I'll get to the shepherds now, and they're going to bring peace and all the kindness and the gentleness. But there's a specific attack that takes place on the apostolic. It's a specific attack that takes place on senior church leadership. And you see it in Scripture, because when you look in Scripture, somebody who's phenomenally apostolic, and sometimes we overlook it because he was the ultimate shepherd and he carried a bit of a prophetic gifting, but somebody that I recognize as possibly, I'd say one of the most apostolic guys in Scripture would be Joseph. But when I look in the way he's recognized is King David is the ultimate apostle. He sets the standard. He looks at the big picture. He introduces worship. He establishes things within the kingdom that to this day stands, the ultimate apostle. And you look at his life and who attacked him. And Obviously, I'm going to touch on this. I'm going to say this really quickly. I'm not going to have meetings about it this week. He has the Jezebel spirit attack him through his friend Jonathan. Because that was an unrighteous relationship, by the way. That was a win-win situation for Jonathan and a lose-lose situation for, 
for David all the way. I'm not going to preach on that this morning. But there's another spirit that attacks David, and it's, the, it's his third son, his third child, Absalom, that attacks him viciously. You can go read about it in 2 Samuel 15. And the spirit of Absalom attacks the spirit of, da- or the, of the apostolic, and it does a few things. I'm not going to read the whole story of Absalom. What's crazy about it is Absalom's name comes from two words, Abba and Salem. It's the origin or the father of peace. He's supposed to be the peaceful one. Absalom's supposed to be the peaceful one, and he creates the most chaos. That's the problem, is the spirit that wants to attack church leadership comes in under the premise and under the promise of, now I'm here to create peace. Now what Absalom does as a son is he goes and he stirs up rebellion amongst people. And he stirs up people to hate David, his own father. And he, he, he rallies them to rebel against his dad. And this is the thing about this, this Absalom. Is it says he was the most beautiful in the kingdom. Beautiful long hair. I keep my hair short so that I don't fall into temptation. He's the most beautiful. He's just, he impresses everyone. And what happens with the spirit of Absalom is it comes towards church leaders, and it doesn't have to be the senior leader, the senior, it can be a, a, a family group leader, it can be a ministry leader, and the spirit of Absalom comes and it stirs up strife among the people as it gossips and strategizes its own little plans to bring the leader down. And he doesn't care how the leader falls, it just wants to be elevated. It's the spirit that wants to elevate itself above the current leader. I, we had a ridiculous attack. Uh, the church that I oversee in South Africa, um, I, I had this Absalom come alongside me, and, and he, he, he was my favorite guy. He was my 2IC. He was the guy that we ministered together. He, he, was, he was the man of peace that I worked with. And what he was saying to my face was so radically different to what he was saying behind my back. I don't mind criticism. But don't smile at me while you're betraying me. If you have a problem with me, come and speak to me. If you don't have the guts, pray for courage. And while you're praying, pray for wisdom as well. But the spirit of Absalom comes in and it creates division and starts creating little, little gangs, little buddies, little, little chats about the leader, about a life group leader, about the senior leader, about a ministry leader. The guy's not really doing what he should be doing. He's actually, guys, have you thought about it? And what the spirit of Absalom does is he wants to bring the apostolic down so that the, the apostolic no longer has the voice it's supposed to have. No longer gets to cast vision. Absalom starts with David. David runs away. The guy that kills giants runs away from the pretty boy. Obviously, he's his son, and he honors his son, and that's so often the betrayal is that it's somebody close to you that comes in. You can have this in business. You can have this as a, as a church leader, but when the spirit of Absalom comes, what you do is you have to identify it, and, and I want to read a few things just so that it makes it a little bit easier to identify when it comes to the spirit of Absalom. Has big dreams, blames others for blocking it. Believes it has a level of wisdom that's being ignored. You could have it in your company that somebody that works for you is convinced that they know more than you and they want to usurp you or steal your business. Harbors harbors this camouflaged bitterness. Master of manipulation. Has a fault-finding spirit. Now, I love when people can see something wrong 
identify the root problem, come and speak to me or to the leaders and go, I've seen this as a problem. May I please be part of the solution to help resolve this? Beautiful. The problem is, is when the fault finding starts, but the first people to hear, it starts from the back row and filters to the front. But I'm going to say this, the spirit of Absalom always finds its root problem in itself because of grief that take, took place many years ago. Absalom's sister had been raped and she had, he had this hatred and he had then killed the guy who happened to be his brother who raped his sister. Real crazy situation. And he deals with that, but he resented his father from that point. David never even realized that. So there was this resentment and this grief and this trauma that had taken place already and that was rotting inside. That's the danger when there's a strong leader and you have somebody come alongside or somebody that's brought in doesn't share their grief. You build with them. And then the rot starts because they start blaming you for things. They start accusing you of things. I, we had a situation, it was during COVID, and I had these crazy, I had 10 accusations thrown at me. So we weren't allowed to meet. Churches are closed. Uh, South Africa was crazy with their laws. Um, well, they're still crazy with their laws, but with COVID. We couldn't meet at all. So I have this guy turn on me. And the Lord said to me, you shut your mouth and you sit on your hands. Which means I don't get to defend myself and I get to say and do nothing. Only later did I realize this, that the same happened with David. He went and he stayed in a cave and he kept quiet and he never spoke against Absalom. He let God deal with him. Friends, if somebody comes up against you and betrays you, and lies about you, and even if it's in your business, even if it's in church and they're sitting in your family group, you do not go and counter that spirit with the same spirit. You counter that spirit. You have to, this is the, I'll fight, I'll turn the other cheek. Not now. You step back. Lord God, I pray a blessing over them. I pray that they'll come to their senses. Terrible thing happens to Absalom. His hair gets caught in a thicket as he's riding on this mule. Ha ha ha, pretty boy. You with your long hair, boasting with your mop. All the balding guys go. <laughs> Terrible thing is in one of David's leaders go, stabs him, kills him. Because that the being hung by his hair didn't kill him. I don't know how thick his hair was. I don't know how you get stuck like that where you're dangling from a tree and your hair's it, Anyway, Bible, it's amazing. Guy goes and stabs him. Whole challenge that starts from there. You're not called to fight the person that's attacking you by killing them. You're called to step back and find your peace in Jesus Christ and have God deal with them. We don't, we're going to get to these scriptures as well. We don't battle flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. However, it's these powers and principalities that work in people. It's not the smoke vapor that rocks up and attacks you. It's powers and principalities of the air that often manifest in people that attack you. Oppressing, possessing, and controlling. If you carry an authority of an apostle or you have an apostolic gifting, and we always speak about it within a church reference, but if you're a leader, this is something that you have to be aware of. Not everyone's going to like you. I have a t-shirt. It says, I'm not for everyone. 
I never bought it for myself. Someone else did. Well, he bought the same T-shirt for himself, so that's okay. If somebody gossips about you, now let's rather put it this way. If somebody speaks about a leader to you, you say, I love it. Let's go and talk to them. What? No, that stuff you said about Derek. He'd love to hear the stories, man. He thrives on these things. He'll pay for the coffee. And it's not to get the other person into trouble. It's to stop that spirit there. I'm fine. I'm good. It's that person that's going to get their hair stuck in the thicket. Not really, but it would be interesting to see someone stuck in the trees here. For the sake of the person gossiping or speaking, bring it into the light. I'm going to say this. If you have a problem, so if you have a problem with Daniel and Daniel leading, don't run to him immediately after the meeting. Daniel, I have a problem with you, and I'm going to share this with you right now. Unhelpful. Go to one of the leaders and say, guys, I'd love to speak to Daniel. Check my heart first. What is wrong with me? I'm sorry I'm using it here as an example. You lead brilliantly, love what you do. And if they start with you, we'll baptize them again. <laughs> Say the Lord's Prayer in Latin backwards or something while they're under the water. <laughs> do not be an Absalom. Do not entertain an Absalom. But beware of an Absalom spirit. Okay. Exciting stuff. You see, this is the thing. If you're not in the fight... Chances are you're with the enemy. And if you're in absolute peace right now, chances are you're just between fights. That's the reality. You see, it doesn't say in Scripture, um, what does it say in Scripture? I've given you the picnic blanket of God. No, I've given you the armor of God. No one gets given armor unless there's a fight. He's like, oh, I've given you the blanket of God so that you can be at peace and just keep yourself cozy and warm. No, I've given you the armor of God because there's a fight that's coming your way. And this is what it looks like. You're going to need swords and shields and belts. Else you're stuck with your pants around your ankles. There's going to be a helmet and a shoe. There's all this stuff because you're in the fight. Make sure you're fighting alongside the Lord. And this is the thing. Don't partner with the accuser. Yeah. I do sense prophetically, this is a three-week preach uh, that we're on. The gift of the prophet. To all the, thus saith the Lord, prophets. Because you have those people that will go, I have a sense that God is wanting to do something, share something, and I love those people, and it's just like, I think God's saying, I'm not sure, I'm growing in Christ, I'm maturing, I'm sharing this, I don't know, I'm hoping Jesus helped me, you know, I get that? But when you come with a, the Lord says, I'm going to judge you differently. Scripture tells me to, I'm called to test the prophets. 
So to those, a few statements, keep the logs out of your eyes before you want to prophesy the splinters out of others. Show me your fruit. It'll expose your root from which you are prophesying. You see, too often I've seen people, and I'm not talking about trauma, life happens, uh, an accident, a business folding. I'm, I'm talking about where consistently you've made poor life decisions. I doubt I will not allow you to speak into my life until I can see that you're listening to God speaking into yours. I have to test the prophet. Then I can test the prophecy. I thought, oh, that sounds so judgmental. No, testing. It's so key because when I allow you to speak into my life, I'm partnering with the words that you're speaking over me. And I'm coming into agreement. And the word says, where you agree, it's being established. I'm very careful with what I'm allowing to be established in my life. I've had people come and they prophesy, me, prophesy over me, and I've looked at them and said, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. That, you're so wrong. Because if I stand there politely, I thank you so much, I appreciate that, I'm going to pray into that. That's false. Not them, me. I've had people say, well, God's going to take you there. God's taking you to Amsterdam. No. No, he is. No, he's not. So I end up traveling to Europe. They go, you see, I said, no, you prophesied that I'm moving there to plant churches. Well, actually, no, you didn't say that. You see, I hold prophecy to such a high level. See, if you don't hold prophecy to a high level, prophecy is going to mean nothing to you. And then you're disregarding the prophetic. You're disregarding the spirit of prophecy. So when you regard prophecy as something serious and legitimate, I have to look at the prophetic word. And when you share a word with me, I'm going, Jesus, is this you speaking? I want to have this word testify to what you've already said to me. I want to receive this. I want this to speak to me, leave me, direct. This is serious stuff, Jesus. So I'm speaking to those that walk in the office of the prophet. Because there's an attack that comes and goes for the prophetic, and it happens time and time again. And when I've ministered in other churches, the first thing I ask them, go, what's the prophetic level like in your church? Oh, it's average. What is average? Well, there's always one woman that always prophesies. Beautiful. See, this is the challenge we have. And there are people over here, and you have a prophetic word every single Sunday, but you don't want to share it because you're scared. We're going to think, it's always the same person. That's what prophets do. Oh, it's Derek. He's preaching again. That's what I do. Oh, Melissa singing. She, that's what she does. So when you're prophetic, prophesy. Oh, it's so obvious. Yes. But when the prophetic is dead in the church, there's a specific spirit that has come and is attacking the prophets in the church, and it attacks the whole church. You see, a church without a prophetic voice, without prophetic direction, wanders around in the desert, wanders around in the wilderness, and achieves nothing. Because you can have the apostolic defining the parameters of what we should be doing, but the prophet is calling us into where and how and who and what it's going to look like. 
If you've ever looked at architectural drawings, the architect draws these very clear lines, these blueprints, and they, they look quite dull. And then they have an artist who comes and gives an artistic impression of what the building's going to look like. That's what they always show the client if you're going to build off or plans. And they show you this beautiful picture. That's the prophetic. The apostolic is the plan that's been drawn, but the prophetic is this is what it's going to look like. When the prophetic dies in the church, all we do is start looking down. We're looking up and out. It's a key prophet in Scripture. I mean, he's the original false prophet hunter, Elijah. What happens to Elijah? He goes and he takes on the prophets of Baal, 450 of these guys. He's killed in a day. And Elijah's you know, mocking their God. And he's mocking them about his bowel movements. and He's carrying on. And he, Elijah's prayer sets water on fire and it incinerates oxen. I mean, it's just an incredible day for the kingdom. It's barbecue bonanza. And he goes and he sets all the prophets of Baal and Asherah to flight. He deals with them decisively. And this Jezebel comes and says this to him, 1 Kings 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, the prophets that were killed, by this time tomorrow. This is Elijah. Elijah, breathe down fire from heaven. Take care of this Jezebel woman. No, this stuns me. Verse 3. Then he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life. Came to Beersheba. See, beer isn't always the answer. Anyway, which, I'll show you now what the answer is. Which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. What Jezebel does, it creates a spirit of fear and makes you do the journey alone. Separates himself from his servant. But he himself, isolated, went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. He lay down and slept. Under a, see, he has the spirit of suicide that comes and rests on him. Fear grips him. He isolates himself. He runs away. That's one woman. He should have gone outside the palace. Lord, the fire, you took care of those other guys. Boom. Fry her. He runs. He isolates himself. He has a spirit of suicide grip him. Lord, I'd rather die. And, he's, and then he starts doing this. Um, Take my life. I'm no better than my father's. He lay down and slept under a broom tree. Behold, an angel touched him. And he said, Arise and eat. He looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water. I'm not saying this is the way it should be. I do believe that cake is often helpful in situations <laughs> where you're being spiritually attacked. Okay. I'm just reading what it says. The job. He ate, drank, and lay down again. 
he sleeps again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. He arose and ate, drank, went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. This is what happens when Jezebel attacks the prophetic, isolates the prophet. You feel alone, you feel useless, you feel suicidal. I have friends who operated and walked in the prophetic that have committed suicide. I'm going, it's Jezebel. You see, the devil is not creative, so he always does the same thing again and again and again. And we need to learn to identify this. Too often I see the prophets, something happens, they're offended, they're hurt. Someone says something and they go, I'm hurt. Somebody was abrasive. Somebody was unfair. They go, I cannot do this. They step back. They isolate themselves. They're partners because prophets work so well in partnership, bouncing things off each other, sharing things with each other. They isolate themselves. They step away. I wish I was dead. And they slip into depression. When the scripture says he kept on wanting to sleep, he was sliding into depression. Depression, the first signs of early depression is the person just wants to sleep. The guy's sleeping. An angel wakes him up. I would be like, come on, dude, let's take out Jezebel. You and me, we've got this. Elijah goes back, he has lost so much hope. He's lost all vision all prophetic, but has died in him. He goes back to sleep. He's slipping back into depression. But there's only one way that you deal with that, and that's going to the mountain of God. This is how you deal when Jezebel comes for you. Now, I'm going to share this with you, friends. There is something of a hopelessness that hangs over this geographical area that allows people to stop seeing the vision that God has for them. It, allows, it stops people seeing, I have a future, I have a destiny, and I have a purpose. It hangs over this. We identified this when we came into Springfield, our first two or three weeks here. We said as a family, we said, what is this? We don't know. I said, well, let's, let's look at what's being attacked. Because all of a sudden, now I'm not a person that's ever been concerned about budgets. I, I, I don't care about budgets. Money used to be my master. I'm now the master of my money. Uh, so people go, man, you're walking crazy faith. No, I just, I leave that up to God. I leave that up to him. He's got the gold. He can give me as much as he wants. I'll steward to the best of my ability. I suddenly get here and I'm going, my budget, the budget doesn't make sense. How are we going to do this? My family's looking at me going, this is new. And I'm going, uh, it's, it's stewardship. It's good stewardship. We must. And I step back and I'm going, there's one thing about being a good steward. There's another thing about having fear grip you when you think about your budget. Stewardship is authority over finance. Fear is when you look at your budget and go, I cannot make it. I don't know what to do. I'm sitting in this country, I'm going, what have I done? Because yeah. you lose your hope, you lose your vision, you lose the future. Because the prophetic calls you into the destiny that God is calling you into. Jezebel wants to shut you down, have you think you failed already, so don't go any further. You have no influence, you have no impact, so shut up, lie down, and sleep. Yeah. Prophets, it's time to have some cake and step up and speak. I'm going to judge you for your sake and for ours. But let's step this up. Stop it. If you have a sudden sense of hopelessness, if you have a sudden, if, if you have the sense of, I can't do it, I don't know what the future looks like. You've taken your eyes of Jesus, and I've, I say this to people, they go, 
I know. I just don't know how to get my eyes back on Jesus. It's time to tell Jezebel to leave. It's, it's, it's time to tell Jezebel that it has no place. Jezebel is not a gender any more than the fivefold gifts are a gender. Remember this, too often we see these strong women in church and people go, mm-hmm, Jezebel. No, no, no. That's the spirit of Ahab attacking you. Amen. Uh, let's do this. We'll do the other three another time. I've really got good stuff for the teachers. If you have a sense of hopelessness, stand. If you are often overwhelmed by a sense of hopelessness, stand up. Oh, stop lying. Stop lying. This is the problem, is you separate yourself and you put on your brave face so no one will see that I sometimes have bad days or sometimes I have depression. I have someone in the church, they're sitting here right now, I'm not going to look at them or point at them because then you're going to go, oh, I know who it is. They went through a wild day of chaos, everything being turned upside down, and I phoned them and I said, listen, I only encourage you, and yeah, I'll pray for you, I'll get to that stuff, but go and buy cake. And... Uh, Yes, this is my theology. I said, go and in the face of hopelessness, celebrate. Go okay, and I called it faith cake. This week, my family and I went and bought faith cake. We were sitting there going, we were facing some challenges, and I said, I want cake, I want faith cake. And uh, we got carrot cake. We thought that would be healthy. <laughs> so I'm expecting more of you to stand, and I'm going to tell you now why. Because some of you may find that you're in a place where you're hopeful and positive, but it comes in waves, it comes in cycles. You have these cycles. You might be in a good season, but you've had those moments where it just drops and you don't know why. The fear of finance gets you. Good health. You know, you hear someone is sick and you go, oh, well, I also get sick. I'm going to wait a while. I'm going to wait a while. This is not an acknowledgement of failure. This is recognizing that the fight is real and acknowledging I need Jesus to step in. I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait a while, because I wanna tell you now, no one is impressed with you sitting. No one's looking at you sitting and going, oh wow, they're the ones of faith. And none of you standing, no one's looking at you going, well, I guess they're in sin. Elijah was walking in the perfect will of God. He's taking care of business. His war, it could not be better. The kingdom is advancing like never before. 
It's been established, and he has this confidence. And one stupid woman, this one stupid voice, takes him right down. That voice needs to shut up in this church. That voice needs to shut its face in Springfield. And if we're not going to do business here, it's not going to get done there. By the way, if anyone has said to you, you're a Jezebel, you've got to shake that word off you. I'm going to teach some of you Afrikaans words on how to deal with the demonic. And you'll say these words and you don't know what they mean. Don't Google it. Don't use Google Translate, please. But I'll teach you how to deal with some of these things. I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes because I believe there's a few more people that need to stand. I don't know who you are, but I know that there are a few more people that need to stand. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. This is one-on-one stuff with God. I'm going to ask you to all close your eyes, bow your heads with me, and I'm going to pray. Because I'm tired of the enemy isolating and creating fear amongst the children of God. I'm, I'm so frustrated with the enemy coming with the same strategy of trying to separate the prophets and separate those that need to be walking and running and outrunning chariots and we can barely stand. Lord, your, your word says, I'm, just guys, while your eyes are closed, I'm going to speak this over you. This is what happens with Elijah. He goes and he's in the mountain, he's with the mountain, he's with God on the mountain, and then there's this earthquake and there's fire and there's wind, and the voice of the Lord isn't in any of them, but he comes in a small whisper. You see, the enemy will shout at you, but the voice of God wants to whisper to you this morning. I want to speak over you this morning. Wholeness and healing in Jesus' name. And where hopelessness has crept in, I speak the promises of our Lord Jesus Christ over every person in the room, but for everyone standing this morning saying enough is enough. I will not tolerate this. I will not entertain this. From this point, there will not be a hopelessness that will ever rest on my family, or on my household, on my finances, or on my health. In Jesus' name, over my health, there is a hope and a promise. Over my family, there is a hope and a promise. No more. Where some of you have sat down and you've slipped into a depression, no more. You have not failed. But the enemy has taken too much territory. It's enough now. Come Holy Spirit. Come and just whisper to the children of God destiny and purpose. Lord, I pray that where the prophets have been hurt, where they have been abused, where they felt like they were just getting it wrong too often, Lord, I pray for healing and restoration. Reawaken the prophets, Lord God. Reawaken them, Lord, with new courage. I speak the hope of Jesus over you. The hope of Jesus over you. With the words have been spoken, I cannot anymore. 
He can. He can. Just allow him to minister to you in this moment. Just allow him to speak to you. This is when the word of God speaks. I can do all things through Christ. It's not claiming the silliness and the recklessness. It's this moment. I can walk in the fullness of what God has promised me because he's faithful and trustworthy. Maybe there's certain areas that just right now you need to start praying into. For some of you, it's business. For some of you, it's ministry. For some of you, it's for your families. It's over your marriages. It could be a health crisis that you're facing. It can be related. Whatever the challenge is where the enemy keeps on pointing and barking this at you. I, w- I want you to listen to Jesus in this moment. Listen to what he's whispering over your life. What the word says over the situation. Not wishful thinking. Promise of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and speak. Not so that we can feel better in this meeting. Not so that we can have a better Sunday. But as we walk out, there will be a new hope over our families. That Jezebel will not have a voice. Absalom will stop attacking businesses and families and ministries. That whatever spiritual attack is trying to take apart the children of God will be shut down by you, Holy Spirit. Highlight things, Lord, that we need to change. But Lord, we're trusting you, Lord God. We cannot create our own hope. Only you, Lord God. So I pray, fresh visions, new revelation. Hmm. If you've lost a bit of hope because of health challenges, Lost that. He's a healer. Jehovah. Rafa healer. Perhaps you've lost hope when it comes to your finances. His name is Jehovah Jireh. Literally calls himself the provider. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, your kindness, your faithfulness, and your trustworthiness. And what the enemy has set up and set aside for our destruction, you're going to use it for your glory, for the good of the kingdom, that our children's children will see the goodness of God through what you're doing in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. take your seats for one moment I want to challenge you you walk out here do not let the enemy say to you the problem is still real do not allow the enemy to continue with the same voice in the same vein speaking the same junk he's been speaking over your life you cannot hear this 
walk out and allow Him to speak over what God has spoken over you this morning. You walk out, when the enemy starts, you use the phrase, shut up. Speak it out. Now don't say it loudly. This could start an argument with your spouse because your, your husband might be saying to you, what are we having for lunch? Shut up. And then we're busy with marriage counseling and all sorts of things. But we need to, we need to speak at the enemy when he starts barking at us. When he starts, that's the ch- Keep quiet. In Jesus' name, you have no place. You have no voice. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Lord, silence the enemy. I'm giving you, I'm giving you this tool this morning. Silence the enemy. Holy Spirit, you speak over me. You speak to me. You are the voice. Have a wonderful Sunday. Have an incredible week. We will see you at prayer on Thursday evening at 6 p.m. It's 45 minutes. We're going to pray together. If you brought children with you this morning and they're not with you at the moment, get them. Take them home with you. Have a wonderful afternoon. Bless your day, Spring Church. We'll see you wherever you choose to join us again. Bye-bye.